Hello and welcome to Just a Guy and his journey back to God. So today we're in the last chapter of First Peter. We're in chapter 5 and it's pretty short. There's only like 13, 14 verses in it. So I'm going through it and once again I'm going to say it like I always say it. There's a lot of really interesting and important stuff there. And before we get started though with, with commentary and reading, let's just go and let's open up with prayer. Lord, thank you. Thank you for today. Thank you for the opportunity to, to become or come before the creator of the world, to come before the one who made it all, who made me, knows how I operate, built me with strengths and weaknesses, and knows every single one of them. And despite that, you had me in your thoughts as you hung on the cross and died for me. So, Father, I pray today, I pray, Holy Spirit, for you to to teach us, to speak to us. I pray so much that this wasn't, wouldn't be my thoughts. It wouldn't be my words. But it would be your message, your wisdom, and your knowledge. I pray for your knowledge to be imparted upon each of us. But even more importantly, I pray for your love, that we would see others as you see them, and that we could love them. So, Father, I pray as we read for our hearts and our spirits to be open because we're spiritual beings that happen to have a human or a physical body. And I just pray that, Holy Spirit, that you would truly commune with us, guide us, and speak to us today. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. So, because it's a short chapter... I didn't figure, hey, I'll give you guys extra time back. This isn't a business meeting. And so I've gone through and I've read a lot of different commentaries. And then there's some other things just in my journey that I want to cover off on. And so I, I want to first, though, let's just go through and start reading. And I've got some really, inter, some really cool things from or a thought from Spurgeon who tells us about Satan and so we're going to we're going to go through some of that. So, let's start with, whoops, let me get my tablet up so I can actually read and speak into the mic effectively. To the elders among you, I appeal as a fellow elder and a witness of Christ's sufferings, who will who also will share in the glory to be revealed. Be shepherds of God's flock that is under your care, watching over them, not because you must, but because you are willing as God wants you to be. Not pursuing dishonest gain, but eager to serve. So I wonder if someone's like tapping into the uh, offering plate. Let's see. um, But eager to serve, verse 3. Not lording it over those entrusted to you, but being examples to the flock. And when the chief shepherd appears, you will receive the crown of glory that will never fade away. In the same way, you who, are, you who are younger, submit yourselves to your elders. All of you clothe, clothe yourselves with humility toward one another, because God opposes the proud, but shows favor to the humble. Humble yourselves, therefore, under God's mighty hand, that he may lift you up in due time, 
Cast all your anxiety on him because he cares for you. Be alert and of sober mind. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion, looking for someone to devour. Resist him, standing firm in the faith, because you know that the family of believers throughout the world is undergoing the same kind of suffering. And the God of all grace, who called you to his eternal glory in Christ, after you have suffered a little while, will himself restore you and make you strong, firm, and steadfast. To him be the power forever and ever. Amen. With the help of Silas, whom I regard as a faithful brother, I have written to you briefly, encouraging you and testifying that this is the true grace of God. Stand fast in it. She who is in Babylon, chosen together with you, sends her greetings, and so does my son Mark. Greet one another with a kiss of love. Peace to all of you who are in Christ. So that's the end of First Peter. It's only five chapters. But it's basically Peter reaching out to the persecuted church and saying, hey, suffering's going to happen. But live this way because God wants you to and through faith. And Jesus will sustain you. These people were being blamed for everything. Every little thing that went wrong, ah, those Christians, let's go and burn them at the stake. Let's kill them. Let's feed them to the lions. It wasn't a good time. But they stood firm and grew. Despite the persecution, the church grew and grew and grew. So this is really a five chapters of how to live for Christ. And I, th- I hope you enjoyed it as much as I did. So some thoughts on, on chapter five. First of all, let's think about Satan. And what, is, what does Charles Spurgeon have to say about who Satan is? He says, Satan, who is called by various names in the scriptures, all descriptive of his bad qualities, was once an angel of God, perhaps one of the chief among the fiery ones. Foremost of the the sons of light, midst the bright ones doubly bright. Sin, all destroying sin, which is made in Alcamada, which I don't even know what that is, out of Eden, I guess it's a, a desert, soon found inhabitants for hell in heaven itself, plucking one of the brightest stars of the morning from its sphere and quenching it in dark, blackest night. So basically, Satan was the brightest, the bright star, right? And he fell. And then he found other conscripts to join him in hell from the angels. From that moment, this evil spirit, spirit depart, despairing of all restoration to his former glories and happiness, has sworn perpetual hostility against the God of heaven. He has had the audacity openly to attack the creator in all his works. He stained creation. He pulled down man from the throne of glory and rolled him in the mire of depravity. With the trail of the serpent, he despoiled all Eden's beauty and left it a waste that brings forth thorns and briars, a land that must be tilled with the sweat of one's face. Not content with that, inasmuch as he has he had spoiled the first creation. He has incessantly attempted to despoil the second. Man, once made in the image of God, is not, he soon ruined. Now he uses all his devices, all his crafts, all the power of his skill, and all the venom of his malice to destroy twice-made man, 
created in the image of Christ Jesus. With ceaseless toil and untiring patience, he is ever occupied in endeavoring to crush the seed of the woman. There is no believer in Christ, no follower of that which is true and lovely and good, who will not find himself at some season or other attacked by this foul fiend and the legions enlisted in his service. So what Spurgeon is really putting on there is, in the description is, Satan's just terrible and relentless. He has no hope of ever being restored. Unlike us, in our sin and our muck and mire, we had hope for restoration and being restored to the relationship with God. Satan has no such hope. As a result, he will continually attack. He will continually go after you. And when he does that, we have to resist. So let's think about verse 8 where it says, Be alert and of sober mind. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion, looking for someone to devour. Resist him, standing firm in the faith, because you know that the family of believers throughout the world is undergoing the same kind of suffering. And the God of all grace, who called you to his eternal glory in Christ, after you have suffered a little while, will himself restore you and make you strong, firm, and steadfast. To him be the power forever and ever. Amen. So, be alert and sober. What does that mean? Well, for me, you know, that means I have to be prepared and have clear thought. When I don't have that, then I'm putting myself at risk. And I'm at risk anyways. But if I now have been drinking, if I've now been allowing myself to get angry, if I've been giving into my bad habits of anger and pondering stupid stuff, I'm no longer having clear thought. My thoughts are no longer governed by God and Jesus. They're governed by me. And we all know I'm just a guy. And I'm not as good as when God is the one driving me. And when God's helping me keep my thoughts in the right place. So be alert and be sober is to be prepared and have clear thinking. Because Satan is looking for when you aren't. I know whenever I'm like off on a tangent, immediately temptations come. They can be of all sorts of different things. Food, wine, people, activities that then pull me further away from God. Hey, there's a really great opportunity to go fish on Sunday, but you can't go to church. Hmm. The fish are really biting, right? So there's so much of that. But then it talks about what happens when we do suffer, because we're going to. And we know that everyone is going through it. So when we have suffered in verse 10, when we've suffered for a little while, he'll restore you and make you strong, firm, and steadfast. So it's just like exercise, right? When I work out, which isn't nearly as enough and as hard as as I should, my muscles get micro tears. Your muscles do too. And they break down. They get micro tears in them. And then when you rest, those are repaired. And what happens? You come back stronger. So all of this suffering that we go through, all of these trials and tribulations, they're building us up more completely to be stronger. And I I truly thank God for it because I need to be stronger. And I know that there's probably going to be a time coming when Life is tough. It's going to be really tough. Look at what's happening in our country. 
am I going to be strong enough to stand firm? Am I going to be able to resist? Will I have that sober mind and be alert? So this final chapter in first Peter is critical for us. Peter has really shown us a change in who he was and who he is and became. Remember in John, he was a kind of a screw up. He did all sorts of dumb things. He was, you know, he in the garden when Jesus was being turned over to the authorities, he lopped off the ear of some servant. Peter denied Christ three times. And then when he finally, when Christ was had reappeared and was talking to him, and he said, hey, do you love me? Three times, and Peter says, yeah, hey, I love you, I love you, I love you. And three times he replied until finally he got his feelings hurt. And then Jesus says, follow me. And what does he do? He takes like a couple of steps. He starts walking and following him. Then he gets distracted and he turns around. Hey, what about that guy? And Jesus is like, it doesn't matter what happens with that guy. I told you to follow me. So Peter's me. I'm just that guy. I'm that dumb dude who sits there and like, oh, I love you, I love you. And then I screw up. And then I love you, I love And then it's like I'm distracted. And thank God the disciples were not perfect. Because then there would be no hope for me. Anyway, so that's really what I've taken out of, the, out of Peter, 1 Peter. We're going to go into 2 Peter. I think it's only like three or three chapters, so it'll be real fast. And then, um, then we'll do Ephesians, and we'll then go, go into, we'll see what God wants, but I'm thinking then we'll go into Genesis, the first book of the Bible. Last thought real quick. A friend of mine I was talking to today was telling me their, their situation, and it wasn't good. They had a lot of things going on in their life that was really pretty dis- disappointing or, and sad. And one of them involved their children. And they're, they're, one of their kids is really having a challenge. Some of their other kids are just perpetually having challenges. And they said to me, it's like, oh, my God, I'm such a terrible parent. And I'm like, no, you're not. You're not a terrible parent because your kids, these are grown people, they're responsible for themselves. And I talked to them for a long time, and I didn't, didn't feel good about it, so I started praying about it. And God put on my heart a thought. He said, or he put on my heart anyways, hey, check out the children of Israel. Right? When I, we just read about, I just I think yesterday, it was part of uh, something I read in Peter, First uh, Peter 4. Um, where they were all being blessed. They were being kept alive in the desert by miracles from God. God was blessing them. He was providing for them. He was giving them shelter. He was giving them light. He was giving them warmth. He was giving them food in miraculous ways. And yet they went off and worshiped idols. They blew him off and worshiped rocks and objects they made with their own hands while he's taking care of them. Did God sit there and say, I'm a crappy God? I'm a bad God. I shouldn't even have had made you guys. I suck at this. Uh Uh-uh. He held them accountable for their actions. He gave them every opportunity, and he gave them opportunities to turn and change, just like with us, right? He gave us the opportunity for redemption. Because none of us could be pure and perfect. 
So he gave us Christ. But did he blame himself? No. He just did the ultimate sacrifice. So I, th- I think for if there's anyone out there who's having challenges with their kids, and I've gone through it, and it's brutal, but don't despair and don't blame yourself. They're they're grown, or they're you know they're they're responsible for themselves. Now, little kids, you're responsible to get them, you know, and keep them safe as best you can. But grown men and women, they're responsible for their actions. And don't sit there and say you're bad, because then God would say He's a bad God, because the children of Israel forgot about all the times when He was gracious to his, their parents, and then continue to go and sin against them. So with that, I'm just going to close up again. Once, once again, I'm feel like I'm rambling a little bit and putting too much, maybe too much of myself into this. Um, but that's why I do it at the end. You can always just like hit stop. (laughs) So with that, let's close with prayer. Father God, thank you. Thank you for this day. Thank you for the blessings. And I just pray that this day we would bring you honor and glory that we would apply your principles that we've learned in Peter, in first Peter. And I just pray that we would be those examples that when our, we've, that we would demonstrate your love and what it means to be one of your kids and that we would love others as you love them, that we would see others as you see them and that we would bring you honor and glory, that our lives would really demonstrate a difference. I just pray, Father, for all those out there who are hurting, and I lift them up to you. I pray for your peace and your mercy and your grace to be upon them. I pray for our families, that you keep them safe, that you give us the ability to be good parents to them, to take care of them, help them in whatever way it is, but then not to beat ourselves up when it doesn't work out. Help us to do the best that we can and do it in your name with everybody that we know. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Hey, thanks for joining me at Just a Guy and his journey back to God. I'll see you in Second Peter tomorrow. Take care.